looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for your company. It's Past the Post, Sunday, the 29th of October. And, of course, Past the Post each and every Sunday, brought to you with the compliments of Archer Park Racing. They had a big chance here yesterday at Dooman with head honcho and it got run down by a Mashani horse. So the camp's a little little, little upset this morning, but I'm sure they'll bounce back because they've been having a good run. Ben Dorries joins me. As I said, uh, Cox Plate Day yesterday. Uh, the race rarely, rarely fails to excite and uh, yesterday was, uh, well, you could have scripted a better. Wasn't it a great result for the sort of globalisation of the race? Um you know, with all that money plunging into the world pool, obviously, the world tote pool from, you know, Hong Kong punters and elsewhere, there was a lot of interest in the race through that from overseas. And then there was a Hong Kong winner. So, look, if nothing else, uh, that ensures that there's going to be even more eyeballs on this race in future years from all parts of, of the globe. Exactly right. Well, um, we'll discuss the Cox play. We'll have a listen to it a little bit later. We'll discuss it in detail. and We hope to have a special guest with us. Uh, of course, the other group one was the Manicado, which we're going to go to first. And whereas the Cox Plate was uh, uh, a hectic finish, a busy finish, a nose result and a big, big betting race, the Manicado uh, had a small field with a dominant favourite and a worthy uh, worthy winner in Imperatrice. She's a wonderful New Zealand mare and she made a clean sweep of her Mooney Valley assignments. The, the story isn't over as yet, but let's go to the replay yesterday. Bonus Notches was a late scratching in the barrier, so she only had five rivals, and she led as we pick up the replay. 7.50 out, Imperatries. The odds-on favourite led Jigsaw by half a neck. They're a length and a half, Uncommon James. I Am War. The Inferno's trying to get off the fence. It's on the steel. And last, I Am Me. Imperatries now skipped. A length and a quarter. Jigsaw immediately under pressure. Coming up to the turn at the 350. Uncommon James hooked to the outside from I Am War, who's almost going backwards, passed by the Inferno and I Am Me. But Imperatries glides around the corner. Three lengths in front of Uncommon. James, then I am me up the middle, but Imperatrice called upon, still three legs in front, and the Tangerine Tsunami's going to do it again. Imperatrice won it well. Second, I am me, Uncommon James or the Inferno for third, a gap to I am War and Jigsaw. No surprises, no shocks. I suppose the only shock, Ben, was the, that she led, but we have seen her in a forward role before, but of course recently we've seen her uh, sit at the back of the bus off these hot, hectic speeds and rally to the line, running track record times. It was a different story yesterday. Yeah, if you didn't know racing and you closed her eyes and then opened again, you, you would have thought that was black caviar. She was she was just phenomenal. I know it was a small field and she was a class above, but we are we. She's good. She's a wonderful mare and a man who would be extremely proud of her, if not the proudest of her, of course, is David Ellis from Tiarco Racing. And he's our first special guest this morning. It's a privilege to have him join us. David, good morning and congratulations. Good morning, and yes, thank you very much. It was a massive thrill. Certainly would be. I'm just looking at her, her record, just sitting in front of me now here. 22 career starts, 16 wins and three minor placings. I think one of the most important things to come out of yesterday was the team set about a plan. They stuck to the plan. There would have been pressure, naturally enough, and, and understandably enough to, to maybe divert and go to the Everest. You stuck to your guns, and the result was there yesterday. So certainly... Uh, an achievement well accomplished. Yeah, it was um, a big thrill and um, starting our stable in Cranbourne, it's just a great advertisement and great to start that way. Were you, uh, how tempted were you to go to the Everest? Was it, I mean, it's clearly a $20 million race. It must have been a big temptation. And what was the kicker that kept you on this Group 1 path in Melbourne? Well, firstly, it's not a $20 million race. It's 20 million that split many different ways. Um, most 20 million dollar races, the first prize would be say 11 million, but um, the Everest isn't anything like that. Um, but we wanted to do what was right for the horse, and um, uh, she is a, um, a mare, and winning Group One races is special for her breeding. And we think she's probably slightly better left-handed way round, even though that she's won um, 
Group one's right-handed. She, yeah, speaking about left-handed, of course, uh, the, the record of Mooney Valley, um, some of our listeners may well forget, of course, she won the, the Group 1 William Reed earlier in the year. So there's four on the bounce there at the Valley, the William Reed, the McEwen, and the, the Moyer, and yesterday's Manicato. I think one of the things that a lot of people were surprised about was uh, the fact that once the dust settled and uh, the first call was made, she was up the front. Yeah, she's um, normally races on the speed, but over 1,000 metres, um, when they're going track record time, she um, probably didn't have the, the 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 speed to be on on the pace. But um, yeah, she she's a filly that you can run in anywhere really. You've been around a long time, David. Um, how good is she compared to some of the ones that you've seen over the years? Is she? Um, I mean, she's still you know. I suppose she's she's. Um, got a fair bit to do to, to get up there with the nature strips and these sort of horses, but, but I'll tell you what, she's making a way, isn't she? She she can only do what she can do, and she's been bloody brilliant. Yep, for sure. Um, our two other really top fillies, Avon Targe and Melody Bell, and now Imperatrice, somebody was telling me this morning that they've won 30 Group 1s between the three of them. It's pretty hard to do. Do we go to Flemington now? Yes, definitely. We'll be there in two weeks. Great to hear. It's, um, these horses, these horses bring people to the track. They they make people bet because not only are they outstanding horses, they're winners as well. And uh, she's such a versatile man. This is the thing that strikes me about her. Uh, doesn't matter about running position. We saw that yesterday. But uh, wherever she is, she's going to be competitive. Just looking further down the track, so we, we we go to Flemington, and that's going to be exciting in just over a week's time. What are you thinking about next year with Imperatrice? Um, we'll, we'll definitely race her again. Mm. Um, I'd say that sh- that will be her last season as a six-year-old. And then um, she'll go to stud. And um, we haven't finished up with a plan. So what we'll do is Mark Walker and... And um, myself will sit down and we'll work out a plan, what we think's best for her, and um, we'll go from there. Just before we let you go, you mentioned before that, that stable at Cranmer. That's coming along well, is it? Ticking along nicely? Yeah, it is. It is. We've got some really nice horses to race in the next couple of weeks, and um, uh, we'll be um, building another stable so we can have another 20 horses um, in the next six months. And we want to finish up with about 60 boxes and, um, you know, have a really nice team there. David, uh, as I said, um, I'm sure you, not only are you proud of Imperatrice, but the whole Tiako Racing team are, and she's she's done you extremely well. Thanks for being with us this morning, and good luck uh, during the Flemington part of the carnival. Thank you very much. There is David Ellis, the principal of Tiako Racing. And uh, what more can you say? She's just um, made a clean sweep so far and still one to go. Well, I can say something. Thank goodness she was there yesterday. That Manicato Stakes, uh, she added, she was the star power. If she had decided to go to the Everest mm. and hadn't lined up there, that Manicato Stakes without her is just dead set a shadow of a former, its former self. I mean, we had a benchmark 80 horse line up in that race yesterday, a benchmark 80 horse. It's, so clearly the Everest, it's a bit of divide and conquer, isn't it? Um, and I'm not bagging that race yesterday because she was there, but if she wasn't, wouldn't have been much of a race. Look, it's, it's, the, the Manicato has been probably the chief sufferer uh, since the Everest's introduction in 2017. Understandably so, they're close together, they're the same distance. The Everest offers a lot, lot more money. So the Manicato is really under the pump or has been under the pump. But the other thing, too, is it's, it's a broader question and probably not one we can or spend too much time on this morning. It's probably a better topic for tomorrow. But uh, the Cox Plate was a wonderful race. Gee, the undercard of the fields were small, by and large. Very small. Yeah, it, it was a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? And I don't know, just... Um Having that Manicato on the same day, I know it worked... Well, it obviously had to work last year because they had that huge electrical storm on the Friday night. Um, but I wonder whether they wonder what they do next year because I watched the Friday night card and, and the and the you know, the Mini Valley Gold Cup uh, was a decent race, but there wasn't a hell of a lot to get enthused about there either. So, but then again, I suppose if you switch the Manicato back to Friday night, 
you're left with even less on Cox Plate Day. But I suppose, really, Cox Plate Day is really all about the one race, isn't it? A bit like Everest Day. I mean, I know there's a lot of other good races on Everest Day. There's Group 1 and all sorts of things. But if you asked you know, 100 people in the street what are the other races on Everest Day, yeah. a lot of them wouldn't be able to tell you. No, exactly. But uh, but that undercard yesterday, like, when you're only seeing... These are time-honored races too. Like, it used to be called the Waterford Crystal Mile. To see six runners lining up is very disappointing. But in terms of the Manicato and the Everest, of course... You can still run on the Everest and run on the Manicato, but the fact is that Giga Kick race that's there next week with all those bonuses, you know, it's bloody well, hard to think to, to go to Melbourne when they're on offer. Well, bonus notches would have, except uh, he was scratched at the gates, obviously, in the Manicato. He was coming out of uh, an Everest. She's taken the uh, the tab fixed marker by the scruff of the neck in the champion sprint. Um, uh, she already probably was dominant. She was $2.10 before the Manicato yesterday. She firmed to $1.80 as a result of the win. And Punter's happy to take that. This morning as we wake up, she's now $1.70. And the only one standing there with any semblance of, of you know, fighting against her is in secret at $4. And we know she's she's great up the straight. Double figures the rest. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, Opie Bosson made the comment after the race yesterday. He's actually never won a race down the straight. And obviously neither is, is this girl. So I suppose the only risk in potentially taking those odds is, oh, well, A, in secret's pretty good, but B... You can get lost going down that straight, I guess. We better each at this same time give ourselves an uppercut because you know what we didn't mention with David Loss and we should have was Opie Bosson, um, who who handles this mare so well. I was watching some of the Channel 7 coverage post-race yesterday and they're saying a mare like Imperatrice keeps Opie going, uh, keeps keeps him in, in the saddle. But, uh, yeah, as far as the race was concerned, uh, no surprises there. Uncommon James, as we've said before, he is one of Australia's best sprinters, but when you get up there and then you're running into one of the calibre of Imperatrice who's A-plus, it's hard, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think Uncommon James at his best, I wouldn't have won that race yesterday, but no. would have gone closer than he did, got beaten over three and a half lengths. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what they do with this guy now. Uh, look, I mean, it was, wasn't terribly disappointing. I mean, the dollar forty favourite won as she should have, but I just feel Uncommon James at his best may not have troubled her, but would have got closer than we saw yesterday. Yeah, and when you're running in these races too, it, it's important to get as you know high positions. Like, as the prize money's a bit of a difference. Like between second and third, there yesterday, three hundred sixty thousand and one hundred eighty thousand. I am me running second, fighting the line. Well, uncommon James in third. Well, that was the Manicato. Let's go to the big one, the following race, the the Cox Plate, and t- tremendous betting race. But romantic worry, despite that terrible defeat. Punter stuck strong here, and when they went to the post, when the starter said go, he was the $3.60 favourite. Is Matt Hill's broadcast of this year's Cox Plate. To the side of the course at the 700, King Colorado with Zaki the outside. Alligator Blood is poised. A length, Mr. Brightside sneaking ground the fence. Then came Romantic Warrior. Further back is Jewess Victoria Road. Gold Trip, Myoba on pinstriped. And Fangirl with Militarized up to the corner. Zaki claims King Colorado. Alligator Blood is right there. Romantic Warrior, four deep, a length and a half off them. Mr. Brightside off the fence needs room. And then came Jewess into the straight. Alligator Blood at the 200 took the front. Romantic Warrior the outside. Alligator Blood at the 100. Romantic Warrior, Mr. Brightside. Still Alligator Blood. Mr. Brightside coming at it with Romantic Warrior. It's a photo finish. Mr. Brightside or Romantic Warrior. It's a photo finish. Alligator Blood third for fourth. We've got Fangirl in company with Jewers who ran a race. Then Zaki, Gold Trip. Well back in the field, militarised, pinstripe by over on King Colorado and Victoria Road. Romantic Warrior is going to get up by a nose. Yes, uh, and it was a dead-set nose. It was a nail-biting finish. I don't think anyone could have called it when the judge called a halt, but when the judge looked at the, the video, there it was, Romantic Warrior beating Mr Brightside by a nose, alligator blood, the bravest of thirds, but uh, a finish where there was like six or seven within a length, a length and a half when the judge did call a halt. Yeah, it was a truly great Cox Plate. Um, I, I think uh, everyone took a position on Romantic Warrior, didn't they? I took a position he couldn't win. Uh, it wasn't I looking stupid at the end of the race. Um, a lot of people doubted Mr Brightside too, the, the 2,000 metres. Even Alligator Blood, yes, he'd done it over 2,000. Could he do it again? Um, and there, there were some interesting runs as well, like Dewis ran fourth, beaten less than a length and a half. But you could make the argument that uh, that Ed Cummings mare with Damien Oliver riding in his farewell Cox Plate 
could have really troubled the scorer had she. I mean, had she been able to sort of hurdle some other horses, basically with 200 to go, she would have been right in the finish. Uh, Gold Trip um, was never a winning chance, but ran on well for fifth. There were some sort of question marks, I suppose. I think if Zach Purton on Fangirl had his time again, he might ride her differently. And Zach Lloyd, I think, got a bit lost on Militarise as well. Victoria Road, uh, that horse that I backed at 100 to 1, ran a nice, uh, not so nice, should I say, ninth. Well, that's... We, we can put that story to bed. Now. Yeah, Victoria. And look, it was interesting. You could see the riding on the walk, wouldn't you, when there was a vet inspection and, and all sorts of things in the lead-up. So King Colorado was a weird one as well, led. I could see what they were trying to do, I suppose, with the lightweight, um, but but faded out and ran last. But as I said before, a great result for the internationalisation of the race, wasn't it? It was somewhat of a, a typical Cox play, uh, the way the race was run, Uh Pace first hundred metres quite strong. They've got to find their positions. Once they found their spots running up the the, the side, then the pace backed off, and then it rev, starts to rev again from about that six hundred metres. And it was one hell of a last six hundred metres. Of course, they get bunched up. A uh, couple of points you mentioned there, um, Fan Girl Purton riding defensively. I get that, uh, but so, sometimes it works in the valley. Sometimes it doesn't. It didn't there. Uh, and the other one you mentioned, and I've watched this replay a few times, uh, lateral and head-on, and I'm saying to myself, was Dewis actually bolting and couldn't get out? Yeah, or I think it was. It, it, it looks that way. Um, sometimes when they get out, they, they don't run on, but it looked as though there was horse there. And you can make the case that if she got out, she might have won because she's finished hard on the back of the, the leading trio. Well, it's interesting what they do with her now. She doesn't hold a Melbourne Cup. Uh, entry. So maybe they just think that 3,200 metres is beyond her. I'm not sure. I, I wrote pen something for RaceNet and, and News Corp. I called this racing's Crocodile Dundee moment. And what I mean by that, we all remember the, the fish out of water, the, the, the Mick Dundee story. I thought there were some similarities here. Now, obviously, Danny Shum, the uh, the trainer of Romantic Warrior, is no uh, no Paul Hogan sort of kind of character. He's a lot more you know refined and worldly. But Look, he was in a land sort of far away. Um, you know, the horse, you know, didn't really know what he was doing. He, he was off his tucker, didn't like his food. He didn't like the training facilities out at Werribee. Um, but just like in, in Crocodile Dundee, as we remember with Linda Kozlowski and Paul Hogan, this horse had uh, a trusty sidekick, James McDonald, who after the race was being credited basically for being the assistant trainer just yeah. about for this horse. He followed this horse Every step of the way, he convinced the connections to come out in the first place when he won a Group 1, uh, I think, at Chartin in April, and then was ever-present at Werribee and basically helped the trainer train the horse to, to the second. And the final piece of the picture, obviously, was that brilliant ride. And let's face it, it was a brilliant ride. Just had that horse in the perfect position, was probably always going to be suited by the fast track, which is kind of what the horse races on in Hong Kong. Uh, but even just in those last strides, he was going to run second, wasn't he? He was going to run second. He was, and, and even like, well, probably it, it's right a stride from the line, he was still running second, and on the line, he, he put his uh, nose out for uh, for that nose victory. Wonderful record, isn't it? Only the 16 starts after yesterday for the 11 wins. You're right, too. Everyone took a position on Romantic Warrior. Some were hard against, some were non-committal, some were, were soft. Shane, I think, was one who was, was very, you know, pro-romantic warrior? Oh, he was, and I actually rang him last week, and he didn't backtrack at all after the, the horse was unplaced first up in Australia. Uh, he said, no, 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 this this horse is the one you want to be on. Uh, this is a better horse than what we saw first up, and he explained why. The Hayes family have a, a very rich tradition with, with the Cox play. We go back to, to Colin, Colin Hayes, the late Colin Hayes winning it with So Called in 1979, but you look at the, the record books, the likes of Dulcify and Almarad and Betelus it up and Fields of Omar. Yesterday, agonisingly, Mr Brightside got beaten in the nose. I thought we'd have a chat, and we're very fortunate to have David Hayes uh, joining us, of course, the father of uh, the, the team now training Mr Brightside. He's arrived back in Hong Kong. I think he's on the line. David, good morning. Yeah, good morning. I said agonising. That's probably a mild term. Um what did you think when they hit the line? That's the first question I'll put to you. Um, I actually thought he won by mm. a, a clear margin. We were ahead of the post where we were sitting, mm. and I thought he won by a clear margin, and everyone around me did too. So we 
never happened before. Normally, if it's close, you don't celebrate until you think you've won. <laughs> and we all actually thought we won. So we're all going, you know, boys were in tears and all excited. And mm. it was so deflating when he lost. So, um, but he, look, the horse ran a great race and the process was perfect. It, it just didn't quite win. Yeah, just, um, just going on with my opening remarks there, and we look back at this, I mean, with your father and, and, and yourself and now with the boys, um, that tradition that the family have with the Cox Plate is, is a wonderful tradition. And I mean, a nose. I mean, yeah, it would have been. Oh, it unbelievable. Would have been the seventh, seventh one I've been involved in, uh, yeah. so uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, you know, it's one of the great races. And for a young trainers kicking off their careers to tick that box, so close, you know, so close. It's such a good horse. He's a wonderful horse. Even though you didn't win, or your boys didn't win yesterday, David, if there was a prouder father in Australia, I reckon you'd go a long way to, to find them. Can you sum up your, 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 you know, for everything you've personally achieved in racing, just the pride, you know, that you would have in those three boys of yours and what they're doing at the moment? Yeah, look, it, uh, up in Hong Kong through COVID for two and a half years, our biggest client uh, when I left for Hong Kong died, unfortunately, Sheikh Hamdan. And then Tom Dabernick, who was a head trainer, um, he moved on. So it left us very, um, you know, a lot of people thought that we we're in, we were, the boys were going to be in a lot of trouble. And they um, shot well above the bar and gives everyone, Prue and myself, so much pleasure. That's our hobby, watching <laughs> them race, watching them win races. So, um, yeah, we're very proud of them. I think they're doing well and they work hard and they... I've got a good attitude. I was saying before you came on air, the Cox Plate, it was sort of a typical Cox Plate tempo-wise. They they go reasonably tough early, get their positions, they back off mid-race, and then the firepower starts to get up by the school or where the school was at the 600 metres. But all the way around, Mr Brightside was always in the right position to do something. You, you would have been fairly happy in the run watching him where he was. Yeah, we're, we're, we're all very happy to William, and uh, I didn't have my binoculars, but he did. And he just kept telling me, he's in position A, Dad, he's in position A. We, we just needed luck, which Craig got. Um, it might have been momentarily held up, but uh, he got the luck and he charged home through the line. I'm sure he ran the best last 200 of the race. Uh, it was a, a great effort. But, uh, yeah, it was a typical Cox Plate, full of class. And I said yesterday, a very good horse beat a very good horse. Mm. Are we likely to see Mr Brightside um, take Romantic Warrior on again, potentially in Hong Kong in December? Like, What, what, what chance of, of that is, is there of happening? The boys are leaning to probably take on Golden 60, um, the other champion up here, um, simply because at the end of the uh, preparation, to come back to a mile is much easier on the horse. You don't have to train them quite as hard. And... Um, he can have a nice, uh, easy training going into his next couple of races before he has a break. It's been great to talk this morning. Just before you go, and I, I go back to this this historical perspective, um, we've seen races, particularly the Everest, over the last six years uh, take Australian racing by storm, probably take the, the world by storm. Uh, the Melbourne Cup is always there. It's it's our, our national race. Uh, it stops the nation, as they say. But, David, the Cox Plate never loses its authority, does it? It doesn't matter what happens in the end, the, the attraction it has, the, the race it delivers, it never loses where it's positioned at. It's incredible. Um, nine out of ten years, the, four, the best form comes to the top. And mm. I think that's why it's such a special race. You know, after the race, you go, well, the favourite one or, you know, uh, he's a wait for age star, no surprise. You don't get surprises in the Cox Plate. It, it's the, it, 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 with hindsight, the obvious sources, like Alligator Blood Rat, third beat the neck. Mm. So they had the best ball. Yeah, exactly right. It's the wait for age championship. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, commiserations, uh, so close, but I suppose yet so far, but looking forward to Hong Kong. Thanks for being with us. We do appreciate it. Thank you. David Hayes joining us this morning. And that is the 2023 Cox Plate. Let's have a listen to some of these races on the undercard. We'll go to the Vars, a lead-up to the Derby next Saturday. The favourite was Verdad, 245.
It's for Dad in front, but Apulia's coming with a searching run at the 300 metres for Dad, joined by Apulia stride for stride. Then came Air Assault Bull away, Sun Source. It's Apulia up to for Dad at the 150. It's Apulia, a neck in front of for Dad, a half in front of for Dad, and pulled clear. Then Air Assault who whacks away, but Apulia wins. Apulia first for Dad, second. Air Assault third. Bull away, fourth. Then Sun Source coning a long gap to the Philly Mara Lee, and SK was last to complete in the Vars. And of course it was Bedwell and J.D. Hayes with Apulia winning here. Only lightly raced. Zara riding $15 before the, the Vars yesterday. Firm to 9 and now into $7 with Tom Kittner at $2.50. We'll talk about him shortly and pass the post and Riff Rocket there at $3.50. Good solid uh, Derby trial. Yeah, and uh, price in the Derby Cup from 15 to $9.00. Uh, after that Sun of a Melbourne Cup winner, Fiorante uh, won well there. The Crystal Mile, race five, and this was Queensland's chance to shine with Antino, and he was solidly supported, $2.50 in favourite. They come up towards the 500 metres. It's Tuvalu just in front. Just folks second. Banker's Choice wider. They were followed by Prowess. Antino back in a pocket and Mustang Valley to the outside. Tuvalu had a kick. 250 metres to go a length. Just folk who crabs round the corner. There's a gap for Prowess if she's good enough. And then Banker's Choice Antino runs up behind them. Tuvalu just in front of Prowess. Antino the inside and Just Folk hanging tough. Prowess stomps up. Took the front Prowess and Prowess just beat it. Antino, third Tuvalu, fourth just folk from Baker's Choice, and Mustang Valley was last of the six. Yes, Prowess, uh, great day for the Kiwis yesterday. Of course, Imperatrice later, but this time it was Prowess for the James Wellwood uh, training partnership, uh, $4.80. Zara again to the four. Look, uh, we were singing the praises of Blake Shin last week. Uh, this wasn't one of his best rides. No, he, he just... Missed an opportunity Missed there to, to get three wide and, 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 you know, get into the race when James McDonald on whatever James McDonald was on, I forget the name of the horse, uh, went round Banker's him. Choice, yeah. yeah, Bank's Choice, and then got pushed back to the fence and then basically just had to bide his time, um, you know, behind others. And by the time, uh, you know, it was time to press go, it was just too late. There's been four starts there. He was a good thing beat when Orman rode him. Uh, then he won that race at Sandown, so he did get black-type victory. Uh, beaten a lip in the two-rack, and then to see that yesterday, I think most people who are on Antino, their mouth went, went, went agape, but all of a sudden, you thought, well, you're coming out now, and you stayed in. So, anyway, Lux of Fortune, it didn't go Antino's way. Now Tony Gollum has to make the choice of does he go to Flemington or does he go to that five... Uh, what would you do? I'd go to the race at... Um, I'd be getting closer to home. Sydney? And racing for, for good money, yeah. Yeah, I get the feeling that's what, what he may do. Yeah, um, gonna, but, but there's no bad choice, is there? No, no, exactly, exactly. Uh, let's go to the uh, sixth race. This is the Phillies Classic. Our favourite here is Skybird. Promising horse, this one. By the school at the 600. Grinzinger, Bella, Neck, Aprilia. A length and a quarter, Nadachi and Broadcaster. Williams just starting to row along a little. Karina Queen, the inside from Poifek. Then came Oceans of Energy, Quickstick. Well back, Captain Amelia. Skybird is last. Coming around the turn at the 300 metres. Grinzinger, Bell had a kick in the locker. A length and a quarter, Aprilia. Karina Queen stokes up behind them. Skybird getting up on the inside. Grinzinger, Bell stacked them up, went for home. A length and a half, Karina Queen and Sky. Skybird's coming now. Grinzinger Bell. Look at Skybird over the top. Sprouting wings and one. Skybird has just now Grinzinger Bell. Karina Queen. What a win. Fourth Quickster is involved there with Poifect, then Broadcaster. Further back in the field was Captain Amelia with Aprilia. Well back in the field. Oceans of Energy back there with Nadachi. She's now co-favourite with Curve Alon. Of course, we spoke with uh, Mike Moraney about her last week when she won, but they're $4.50 co-favourites for the 1,000 guineas on the 18th of November. That uh, promises to be a good clash. Yeah, she won well. Um, everyone was praising the ride from Bo Mertens, uh, and it was a fabulous ride, but I don't reckon he could have ridden her any other way, just with the way the track was, just scooted, you know, was last scooted up along the inside and powered to the line. I reckon if he'd have gone through them more wide... Uh, it would have run a nice second or third, but she has got plenty of ability, that girl. Three out of three so far. Our final replay from the Valley yesterday on Cox Plate Day is the Tessio. This is the Group 3 for the Mears.
up towards the corner. Wishlaw Lass at the 450 held together. About a neck to sole choice on Francais, the outside retreating. Then came Osmos from a long way back from Dazzling Lucy and held up the Lassophile. Darts back to the inside. Wishlaw Lass the first to straighten. 200 metres to go. Two lengths. Sole choice Osmos and then came the Lassophile. Wishlaw Lass 100 metres to go. Osmos and Marikan are late. But it's all Wishlaw Lass. And Wishlaw Lass did it well by over a length. Head bob a second. The Lassophile or Osmos then Marikan are. Sole choice Dazzling Lucy. And at the tail of the field was on Francais. Yes, Wishlaw Lass is racing really well for Simon Wilder. That was a three in a row. She's got a great record. She's had eight career starts for six wins and makes her own luck. Rolls forward in the races. She did what she did at Caulfield uh, by leading all of the way there yesterday, the $2.20 favourite. That was the Valley. Of course, we go to the Flemington side of the carnival now. Derby Day next Saturday. Let's turn our attention now to racing at Royal Randwick yesterday and the Group 1 Spring Champion was the feature at $2 million race. Tom Kitten for Godolphin was the $2.50 favourite. Here's the broadcast with Darren Flindell. Inside the 800 metres and Raff Attack leads the way by a length to Glad You Think So. Gambare's at a cheap run on the fence. Kintyre deeper out followed by Ravello. Then came Tom Kitten who's gradually improving his position on the rails. Port Lockroy's come off the bridle. Then Cap Farrar and Tutar Levita. The filly's right behind the favourite. Although Hieronymus is coming well off the fence. Now on Tom. Peeling forward as they straighten. Raff Attack with a bit of a kick. The stable mate Gambare giving chase. Tom Kitten rounding them up. So is Port Lockroy on the outside and Tuta Levita running on. Tom Kitten got to the front. 200 metres to run and Tom's going strongly. Look at Tom go. Two, three, four in front. Capra down the outside in a second. But that's the best of Tom Kitten today. A much deserved Group 1 victory. Tom Kitten won the spring champion in a cakewalk from Capra and Gambare. Then came Tuta Levita. A gap to Port Lockroy from Raff Attack. Further back to Rambolon Kinta Ravello, glad you think so. And Madatsu last in. Sometimes barrier one can be a trap, but uh, sometimes it can be used to advantage. And Adam Hieronymus, winning jockey of Tom Kitten, left no stone unturned, a perfect run in transit, into the clear at the right time, presenting at the right time, and jockey and horse did the rest. They were clearly superior. The jockey, Adam Hieronymus, joins us this morning. Adam, good morning. Congratulations. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, this horse came into the race with a few uh, hard luck stories against his name. Uh, you didn't want any of that yesterday, and uh, basically you had a trouble-free run. Yeah, definitely. Um, I thought it was in, important that we... Obviously, he was the class horse, but I just felt it was important that we drew a nice gate just to... I uh, felt he needed... Well, not needed to, but I, I really wanted him to, to be a bit closer um, just, to, just to eliminate some of that unnecessary bad luck um, behind sort of, you know, all horses that he's he's better than. So I was delighted when I drew barrier one and we're always going to get a perfect perfect run. Adam, you returned to racing um, only in May. You're obviously out of out of the sport for a while. Did you, you've now won two group ones since. I mean, is it, is it come, has that high level success come come quicker than you thought it would? Did you think it would take a, a you know a bit longer than it has to sort of re-establish yourself? Oh, definitely. There's always, you always, you know, there's always doubts and I, I didn't doubt my own ability. I just doubts whether you'll sort of get back to that level and how quick and my main focus was just to cement myself back in Sydney riding ranks and, um, yeah, look, I want I want success and I want to be successful, but yeah, I couldn't have dreamed of how well things have gone. Of yeah, within seven months, I've got two Group One winners, and I'm on the favourite in the in the Oaks in ten days' time. So it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's terrific stuff. I think while you're out, you worked as a labourer for a while. That I mean, riding riding horses is is hard work, but it'd have to be easier than labouring for a living, wouldn't it? Uh, no, is <laughs> a lot easier than oh, is it? being a jockey. I tell you, just, just, yeah, look, it's very, it's a very demanding um, thing being a jockey, and you have to be on on song every time you go to the races, every race you ride in, and um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff. You know, once you do leave the races, it's communication, and yeah, I find it very very demanding mentally and physically, and um, 
yeah, I wouldn't. It's what I want. It's the life I've chosen, and yeah, I'm very happy. What was your impression yesterday post-race? I'm not saying you're right at the coalface there, but you know, the many would think the logical step is to go to the Derby next Saturday with Tom Kitten. What feeling did you get? Uh, James Cummings was rather non-committal when he was interviewed post-race. What what what, uh, what feelings did you get? Um, yeah, look, I, obviously the first time riding the horse, he went fantastic. Um, I just said to James that um, I wouldn't have a problem with it if he if he did want to back him up. I think he'd win it, win it easy. Um, but that's obviously up to their farm, uh, their organisation to decide what's best for him because I do think next preparation um, he'll be better again mm. and... There's no reason why he can't win another group one, um, being a three and then four-year-old, so which would make him very valuable for their farm. Um, he's definitely a very good horse, and I, I guess they'll just weigh up their options and, and work out what's best for them. Attention, I guess, really turns to, to the Flemington Carnival now, and you mentioned you're on the Oaks' favourite, Tropical Squall, who you, you obviously won the flight stakes over 1,600 yep. metres on. Uh, the trip, 2,500 uh, for her. Any queries or not? No, I don't think so. Um, this last start, she had to carry the three-kilo penalty, which made a difference, and I just probably rode her a little bit different. I rode her a little bit different in the early stages of how I rode her in the flight stakes. So going back to Flemington, um, big, big flat track. Um, yeah, look, I don't see it being a problem. Fair enough. Congratulations. Things are going well at the moment and uh, good luck at Flemington with the, with Tropical Squall. Beauty. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Adam Hieronymus joining, with, joining us this morning and Tom Kitten simply was clearly superior there yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. It was interesting to hear James Cummings speak of the 2024 Cox Plate potentially for this horse. Uh, you know, flagged that if all goes well, could be running on the same day but in the Cox Plate. So that's the esteem that he holds Tom Kitten in. Yeah, again, um, speaking of markets... Tom Kitten was $4.50 before he uh, demolished his rivals in the spring champion and he came into $2.80. That's gone now as well. $2.50 with Riff Rocket at three fifty and Apulia, $7. Militarised still there at 8 and Sunsets at 9 Riff Rocket was the favourite before the race yesterday but was displaced by Tom after Tom Kitten's winning performance. Some of these were walkers in the spring champion. They were dead set walkers. I mean, like, <laughs> all credit to Tom Kitten, uh, terrific horse. Cat Ferrara, I thought the runner-up was, was was good running on at the end. But, I mean, most of the field was beaten more than 10 lengths. I don't I don't know about this race, I've got to say. Yeah, but you'll see that in the derby next week. You'll see that in the Oaks as well. There'll be walkers there Yeah, but this well. is this is 2,000 metres, not, not those longer trips. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, Tom Kitten grabbed me, the win of Tom Kitten, no doubt. But not much else in the race grabbed me. So we'll see what happens and whether they proceed to the derby or not. That will be announced early in the week, I imagine, after they have their roundtable conference tomorrow morning. Let's go to some of the other features at Royal Randwick yesterday. We've covered off on the Group 1 Spring Champion. Let's now go to this feature Mayor's Race, the Invitation. $2 million race. Magic Time was heavily backed here around the favourite. 500 metres to run, Banana Queen just in front from Alcohol Free, Magic Time, then Paracel Ruthless Dame scrubbed up on the outside of Royal Merchant Espiona is getting right to the outside and coming home with a very good run Alcohol Free moved up hit the lead, Magic Time keeps coming Espiona's lengthening on the outside with Ruthless Dame knuckling down what a great finish here Espiona trying to shake off Ruthless Dame Magic Time's brave Espiona laying in, no in front, just won it. Espiona just won the invitation from Ruthless Dame and Magic Time. Alcohol free, kicked on. The Osbred Flirt, Royal Merchant, Paracel, Opal Ridge, Dalcini, Alentia, and Roots. It was a busy finish. It was hard to, the 100 metres was hard to pick which one was going to win, but in the end, Espiona was the, the strongest. Karen McAvoy riding for the Chris Wallace stable. Always a delight to have Denise Martin from Star Thoroughbreds join us. On past the post, I'm sure she's in a very good frame of mind this morning. Denise, good morning and congratulations. Ah, oh, thanks very much, David. It was just terrific. She's a terrific mare. She's a great mare, and you know it all worked out really well yesterday. Um, it was quite strange because I'd said to Nash on Friday, you know, obviously he's suspended at the moment. 
if you were talking to Karen, what would you say to him about riding this Fiona? And he said, well, you know, she's willing, she's a lovely mare, she's got great acceleration. He said, when you want to take her from A to B or do anything with her, make sure you direct her that way and think it's, and make her think it's her own idea. <laughs> and I said, now, is that your success to 25 years of marriage? <laughs> you just tell Sarah, this is what you'd like to happen, and then she comes up with a plan and makes it happen. So, But it was executed very well, and, and you know, we were delighted that um, she bounced through the Everest uh, run. And, uh, you know, she's just had terrific preparation so far, so terrific. I might try that with my kids, Denise, that bit of advice. That might, well, might work wonders. As long as you credit Nashville, <laughs> you, can, you can tell who you like, but I thought it was really good. Hey, it's fascinating, isn't it, uh, this mare, in terms of her, her, you know, her best distance, her pet distance. I don't know what it is. I mean, obviously, she ran seventh in the Everest, but she was unlucky there, and she, she got beaten less than three lengths, and here she was over 1,400 yesterday. Have we, have we worked out her sweet spot distance-wise yet? Look, for me, I think it's 1,400. Um, into a prep anyway. Obviously, she starts over 12, 13, but I think um, that distance yesterday was just ideal. Um, you know, the track conditions, I think, are important for her as well. I'm sure she's better on firm surface than main affected. But I'd say, um, first up, but I'd say 13, uh, 1,400 is, is her ideal, um, you know, primarily through the preparation. She can step to a little bit more, but I think that she had conditions to suit yesterday. We had rain on Friday, and on Thursday night as well, and I thought, oh, it's been a drought in Sydney. Please don't say we can't have, you know, fine weather for a couple more days. But uh, the sun came out mid-morning, and I think it was a soft five to start the day, and it became a good force. So she had conditions to suit, and, you know, Karen handled it terribly well. So uh, all was good. Yeah, she ran sharp time, too, on that good track, 121.74. That was her fourth run, this this campaign. Uh, do we pull up stumps now, or is it, where, do we go, where do we go from here? Well, I haven't spoken to the Chiefs this morning, but um, she might go to Melbourne. There was some suggestion, you know, at the end of the Flemington week, you know, the race that's on there. But uh, I don't know at the moment. I think we just sort of wait to see how she is tomorrow, the next couple of days. She could go to Melbourne or she could have a break. I'm not sure. A lot of the, you know, the, the better mares, David, are really channeled towards the autumn. You've got the Vinery and the Cornwall, of course. So you've got a couple of very major group one races just for mares in the autumn. And I think, you know, we'll do that with her again next year. But she may well have one more start before she goes for a spell. It didn't end there because only, what, half an hour later, uh, Star Thoroughbreds and your owners came up trumps with Chrysaor, $26 this one. It was unfancied in the market. It's a horse that we know a bit about up here because it, it started its racing career here in southeast Queensland. Look, it did because um, he was uh, bought at Magic Millions. He came to Sydney, New South Wales, and was broken in. And as you would recall last year and the year before, New South Wales, close to Sydney areas, had lots of rain and really bad floods, in fact, um, throughout that period. And the farm that we'd used for a long time, uh, very sadly experienced very difficult time with floods being right on the Hawkesbury River. So in the middle of last year, we moved a number of horses to Queensland to continue the preparation, including him, because obviously being by better than ready an acutest horse at Magic Minions, mm. we thought it would be good if we could get to any of those races. And he showed really good talent early. He's related to a uh, really good horse that I bought some years ago called Religify. And down the page, there's a very famous horse on that horse's pedigree page called Silent Witness, an Australian-bred horse that became the world's champion sprinter based in Hong Kong, you know, some 15 or 18 years ago. So it was a family I knew well, and uh, Beth Howard, with whom I work at Southtime, really loved him, so I was happy to buy the horse. Sent him to Queensland last year, and he had a good preparation. When he came back to Sydney after the Magic Minions this year, we took him to Gosford for a Saturday race, and Sam Clipperton rode him, and he said he's a really lovely horse, but he's a talent as well. So we've thought all along that he would get to a good level of, of competition, but he was just a bit of a handful being a colt and a big horse. And a couple of weeks ago when he trialled, Jason Collett had ridden him in that barrier trial, and Chris took off the blinkers and a whole range of, of other gears as well and just allowed the horse to have uh, you know, a change of bit and no other gear really, and he trialled terrific. So I was quite surprised yesterday, excuse me, when he was that price, I thought he might be 12 or $15, not 26 But um, 
I thought Tyler Schiller wrote him, you know, superbly, and it was a great booking for the horse because sometimes senior people, senior riders, have a bit of a, you know, preconceived idea about how the horse races, and he mightn't be as, you know, smart as as we had thought he was. And Tyler just takes no prisoners. He's a very quick-thinking jockey. He gets them in the right positions. So. I was elated he was riding the horse for that reason, you know, to give us another view as well. And it just all came to came to plan right on the line. So sometimes in life you have those moments and you've got to relish them when you do. Exactly. Could we see him in the Magic Millions Guineas in January? Look, I'm not sure. Um, I think it was reported that I'd said on, on television, on, on Sky, that... Um, initially, before yesterday, if he hadn't performed, there was really a school of thought that he probably would need gelding, and you know, on the way through, go to you know, geld first and into Magic Millions. But you know, he's a Group Two winning colt now, and obviously, he likes 1600 metres. There are plenty of guineas races in the in the autumn, including in Melbourne, and I would think at the moment it's quite likely he'll spell now. Um, and get ready for the autumn. But if Chris said, you know, he has an alternative plan, certainly happy to look at that too. You would have left the track a very happy woman yesterday. Congratulations. And again, as I say, always thanks. We appreciate you joining us when you win. Oh, thanks for your time this morning. This is Denise Martin. Let's have a listen to Chrysale win the calendar, Presnell. And as Denise said, $26 was the starting price. In the corner now and flying trapeze at the 450. Leads by a length on Zondi is laying in on top of the favourite Arctic Lammer. Snowman looking to push into the clear, doing so now. It's flying trapeze, a length and a half clear. Arctic Lammer's off the fence. Snowman's got the res built up. Now down the outside, Chrysler Ducas and namesake. Snowman got to the front. Snowman from Chrysler and Ducas. Snowman and Chrysler. Snowman, Chrysler lunges and got up. Chrysler in the last bound beat Snowman and Ducas third. Great finish overall. Then Zondi, Queen of Dragons, namesake. Artic Glamour got the run and no letdown by the fave. Then Flying Trapeze, Peer Pressure, the little pumper, and Ostraka was last in. And there's a rough result in the calendar Presnell with Chrysler in the hands of Tyler Schiller getting there late. Yes, certainly was, and Arctic Glamour did perform ordinarily. Before we go to a break, uh, of course, we've been discussing quite a few of the races coming up during the Flemington Carnival. We haven't touched on the Melbourne Cup, where Vauban is rock-solid at $4. Gold Trip at 5 without a fight, 7 Solcom at 9 They're the four at single figures. Riding position sorted out yesterday. Yeah, fascinating stuff. So Mark Zara has chosen to ride Caulfield Cup winner without a fight uh, ahead of Gold Trip, last year's uh, Melbourne uh, Cup winner, which is fascinating because without a fight, can't go in the wet. So if it happens to be wet, Mark Zara's ticket's probably confetti. James McDonald, if you don't mind, has picked up the ride on Gold Trip. So that's not a bad replacement. And uh, a bit of other news, Damien Oliver will ride in his Farewell Melbourne Cup. He didn't have a ride, but will ride Ellen Quirr for Mike Moroney. 100 to 1 chance you wouldn't think would figure, but that's nice anyhow for Damien Oliver to have a farewell ride. And a bit of other news out of the Cox Plate. Alligator Blood, who ran a really nice valiant third, looked a winner actually for a while there, has pulled up really well will be nominated for the 1,600-metre and the 2,000-metre Group 1 races on Champions Day. I'd say probably more likely the 1,600, uh, but we should see him on Champions Day for one final fling. Quick break. Back to look at Dooman yesterday. Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Past the Post. Brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Taking racing ownership to the next level. The website is archerparkracing.com.au. You'll see on there there's a bargain buy of the year and I'm suggesting they're on the right trap. Have a look at it. Let's go to Dooman yesterday. A good 10 race card. The three-year-old was the feature race seven and the favourite in the end was Adriel. Here's the replay. Down the side now towards the halfway mark, 600 left to run. Rowena's dance covered off the first split in a comfortable 36 and 27. Leads try everything by a length. The bounding comes up three wide now. Rothko fourth behind the leading trio. Adriel near the rail turned in fifth. Golden Decade next. Starting to put itself into the picture. Then without reason, followed by Lady Shotgunner, trifling at Crypto Share a million to one. In the straight, they were bounding with that big, boldy face. Went up on the outside, hit the leader, moved clear. Rowena's dance. They're battling it out for 
the Miners. Below the 100, though, it's her day today. A great return and a great ride. A bounding first. Andriel second, without reason third. Then Golden Decade, Rowena's Dance. Followed by Lady Shotgun. Try everything, Rothko. Crypto Share. It went pear-shaped at the get-go and trifling last home in 110.31. She's a pretty girl abounding and she's got plenty of ability as well as Rob Heathcote joins us. Rob, during the carnival, she performed extremely well with difficult barriers. I thought uh, she was she was very good during the winter months. Yeah, good morning, guys. Yeah, I, I agree, David. She was fantastic. She was narrowly beaten in the, the Ken Russell Group 3 up at Caloundra and then again narrowly beaten, point three of a length behind um, Zia in the Bill Carter and then in the Oxlade to finish off her carnival, she was again beaten just over half a length behind namesake. So, you know, she was she was super and I think she put the writing on the wall. I gave her a trial on Tuesday and Martin did everything he could to get beaten. She still won. I called that so, trial. Yeah, you, you, you're spot on. And just speaking of Martin, I think he showed yesterday to to those who were at Doomin, or those that are watching at Doomin, how good a rider he is. He, he showed initiative at the start. Like, Barrier 10 didn't look, uh, didn't look pleasant but within 200 metres, he was fourth one off the fence. I couldn't believe it. If you're on, you you were very happy when you saw that. Well, not only not on, but even training, and, and I'm sure the owners as well. I mean, Art Martin showed why. You know, he's an international standard jockey, and he made it look so easy from difficult barriers. And, yes, there's always that element of luck needed, but just just the way he did it. And then his timing was impeccable yesterday. No, it's, it's, it's just great to have him... Back and you know from a, from a serious injury that yeah. may well have ended his career, so it's fantastic. And he repeated the dose for the stable in the last without Lord. This is a, a mare who's been a great money spinner since you took her over. She's just racing well week in week out. Yeah, she is, and and the irony of it is that that Martin actually rode or has ridden for the owners in the UK and Ireland, Wilf and Rosemary Mueller. They have a number of horses in Europe. So when Martin was first Thinking of coming out here, Wilf called me and said, uh, you know, don't hesitate to put Martin on his international class, and he showed that yesterday. Taking over from the unlucky Ben Thompson, Ben Ben chose to ride Nashira in the race, and she drew barrier 16, and they scratched, and, and I elected to, to go ahead with Martin on board, and he gave us a 10 out of 10. Rob, are you going to be spending uh, the first day of 2024 in Toowoomba? Prince of Boom and Rothfire coming back uh, to the uh, racetrack soon. That King of the Mountain shapes as an ideal race, maybe for them. It, it does, particularly for Rothfire. Rothfire, well, I can, you know, happily announce that um, he will be taking his place. We've been accepted by uh, the Chris Anderson slot, and uh, Chris and his, you know, good mates David Geesman and a few others, and uh, Rothfire will represent their slot and run in it. Prince of Boom, we, we've not done anything yet, there yet. Uh, we, we may even go to the Falvalon with him and then go straight to the Magic Millions. One of the conditions of the King of the Mountain, Ben, is that Rothfire was not sold through a sale and the King of the Mountain is a wild card race for entry into the Magic Millions. So um, I'd love to win it and get Rothfire into the Millions. Time's beaten us, Rob. Thanks for your time. Good day yesterday. Good on you, boys. Rob Heathcote joining us. Ben, you'll join me on Press Room tomorrow morning, I hope. Well, I can't see why I wouldn't, David. Good. And I hope, folks, you join us as well. Thanks for your company this morning. Have a good day. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.